0: Well, good morning once again. Uh, My name is Jack, and I'm one of our pastors here at the Creek Church. If you are new to the Creek, or today might be your first day, and maybe your first day joining us online, I want to say thank you for being with us. And for all of our campuses in Somerset, Williamsburg, and Bell County, uh, good morning. We love you. Uh, London, let's do me a big favor. Won't we uh, welcome all those who are joining us in online watching this morning? As Ethan said earlier today, uh, we are in our summer series and we're finishing up today. Today's uh, week 10 of that series uh, on David. And as I was preparing this week for the series, I got to thinking about all the last 10 weeks and uh, just... Kind of was overwhelmed with gratitude because over the last six weeks you've got to hear from six of our pastors and one of our guest pastor friends uh, from new york and uh, it's just really a blessing to be a part of an incredible team an incredible staff where uh, i'm just blessed to be a part of such a gifted crew of people and uh, what a great summer it has been and i can't believe that august is on us and so i know i won't say that too much because uh, there's some teachers in the room. Uh, I'm married to one of them, and we're not allowed to talk about summer break being over. And so I know it's just around the corner for summer to kick back in session. Uh, next week, uh, Pastor Trevor will be back. Uh, you saw just a little promo a minute ago, uh, but we're going to be, begin a brand new series called Built to Last. And uh, you're not going to want to miss this, especially if you call uh, the creek your home. Uh, you're going to want to be here uh, at uh, this series, and you're going to want to bring some people uh, with you. So uh, this morning, I'm really excited to get to preach, um, David is one of my favorite people of the Old Testament. And when I heard this summer we were going to be talking about David, I couldn't have been uh, just more elated. And so I was, couldn't wait for my time to, to know where I was on the schedule, and I knew I would meet with Pastor Trevor at some point to, to, to get my subject and to finish up the series. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll get to, I'm in the cleanup spot. How cool is that? I, that's usually Pastor Trevor or one of the other guys. And so uh, I'm going to get to go back and talk about some of the stories that I like maybe, or maybe some some of the stories we missed because really the whole life of David is an incredible, an incredible uh, narrative. And so uh, maybe I could go back and talk about the runt that was overlooked by his brothers and by his dad when, when the prophet Samuel came to anoint him as king. And, uh, and I could just talk about how sometimes, you know, we're overlooked and what that feels like and how we can overcome as people. But no, that wasn't, that wasn't allowed. Uh, I could talk about David and, you know, how he was overlooked the second time when he went to go feed his brothers and, and saw Goliath out there and wanted to take on Goliath who was bad-mouthing his God and... And it would launch him into a military career eventually. And and they would write a song about David called, Saul has killed his thousands, David is tens of thousands. And we could talk about how God's equipped us for the task at hand and... Uh, no, no, not that one either. Uh, but maybe I, and I thought, well, I heard my favorite pastor, uh, one of my favorite pastors about 16, 17 years ago, Dr. David Jeremiah. Uh, I heard him talk about a sermon with David, and he called him Diminutive David in the, in the cave of Abdullam. And he, he talked about how David got to meet with Jesus, and that's what we think we, we see of a Christophany. And I thought, how cool it would be to talk about, about that. And no. But then I thought, well, I'm going to talk about my favorite story, which Nate... I already preached about, and that was Mephibosheth. And I love Mephibosheth's story because, you know, I could alliterate that, and it's kind of the story of Jesus looking for us. And I could alliterate it in a way where I was talking about we were separated from the king, and then we were sought out by the king, and then we were saved by the king. And But that, that wasn't really the direction I was given either. Uh, and maybe I could talk about something new like Abigail and how she interceded for David as he almost threw his integrity away when he got a little mad at this guy named Nabal because he, because he didn't feed his warriors and and Abigail decides Nabal didn't need to die and David threw away his life and and met him on the road and interceded for him or that wasn't it either and I thought well it has to be talking about God's mercy and his forgiveness looking at the life of David and Bathsheba because that's what everybody talks about and those would have been awesome but there was none of those things the topic is literally the end of David's life and I thought, well, when he told me that, well, first thought was, that's not fun. Uh, b- but I could talk about it. Uh, but then I thought he would give me something pithy or a couple of anecdotes. No, no. And then I thought, it said, Ian, I've got to talk about the death of David, one of my heroes. And, and I thought, well, d- death is a little weird subject. Not many people like to talk about Death, we don't even like to think about death as human beings. We don't like to wrestle up against the things that are kind of harsh in life. And uh, I thought, well, okay, we'll, we'll, all right. So here's what it says about David. It says, David rested with his ancestors. He was buried in the city of David. He reigned for 40 years over Israel, seven years in Hebron, and 33 years in Jerusalem. And then I added the end because what else is there to talk about? Let's pray and we'll go this morning, all right? (laughs) Because we've covered everything over 10 weeks. But no, in all seriousness, uh, we are going to talk about the death of David, but who wants to talk about death, right? Because death means a lot. Death means a lot. It carries a lot of weight with it. Death means the end, or no more. It's a serious topic. And maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online, and trust me, we're not going to keep it very heavy too long, but... But, but maybe you're here and you've lost someone close to you, someone you knew, someone you admired, someone that, that meant something to you, a family member, a friend. Uh, maybe maybe you felt the pain of that. Uh, let, me, let me just ask in the room, maybe online, where you're watching at all our campuses, h- how many of you have experienced death of some sort where you lost somebody or you've been to a funeral, right? It's a very common thing for us to live and, and to die, and so... David is no different in his humanity. He's going to live and then he's going to get to the end of his life. Maybe you're here and you've been given a certain diagnosis or you know someone who has, and when you have those moments in your life, you're kind of faced with your mortality, right? And you start to think about these types of things. For me, I come from a very large family, or at least my extended family is very large. My dad was one of seven uh, siblings and my mom was one of nine. And on my mom's side of the family, uh, she had an older brother named Joe, who I love. They moved back to Corbin. It, it was a big deal when we were growing up and, uh, Joe had moved for a job and, and Joe was uh, a salesman for John Deere. And I love Joe. Uh, how, well, how, do kids get the affection of their aunts and uncles? Well, we love the aunts and uncles that bring us gifts, right? And Joe would bring gifts and Joe would bring the coolest gifts because he would have those cool old die-cast John Deere vehicles, you know, the tractors or the trucks or the dump trucks, and we would play with them. And then one day, uh, Joe uh, had access to a, a, a pretty, at the time, that felt like a life-size Yogi Bear. And I used to watch the cartoon of Yogi Bear growing up, so I loved Yogi Bear. and Joe brought me Yogi Bear and Yogi lasted a long time Yogi's not around anymore But he lasted a very long time and, and so because of those things My Uncle Joe was pretty much embedded into my memory And then something happened And then something happened One morning I woke up to some commotion at my house And it was all my aunts and all of my uncles You can imagine And they were there because my Uncle Joe Had, had an aneurysm and it had died instantly And I can remember it marking me It was a sad time It was a tough time and I can even remember back then, there were still these things called wakes that they would have. And they kind of had a traditional wake. And I still can remember walking in the front door as a little kid and, and seeing the living room and Joe and then going upstairs with the rest of the kids while all the adults did the adult things around the wake. And here's what I knew, and this is what I knew at five years old death hurts, and death stings. And here's what I also knew, know now as an adult it has no prejudice. It doesn't care what we look like, where we're from, how old we are, how young we are. It doesn't care about anything, but it exists. It exists, and all of us have been impacted by it. And the question is, what does it mean to you? And I want to pause just for a minute because I know that in a in a congregation this size and with all of our campuses and those watching online, there's, you know, This stuff is real and for some of us it's current and I just want to let you know that we're going to have just a prayer moment in a in a minute just to pray for some folks and some of those people that I would love to pray for this morning and for our Williamsburg campus they they have a a lovely couple named Nathan and Megan Morin and Friday morning they woke up early and 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 they woke up because they had lost their three-month-old little girl and um, it's tough. So for that family and for those brothers and sisters, it's a tough moment. And then if you've been following online, Pastor Trevor's grandmother passed away this week, weekend. So uh, let's do this. Let's do what we're supposed to do. And let's lift up our family together and let's lift up our faith families and, and pray for those who, who are hurting right now. Because I know some of those things could be you too. And some of you all are, are facing some very tough things in front of you right now. So let's pray for one another. Let's do that. Ready? Let's pray. Lord God, I'm grateful for today. Thank you for, for your grace. Lord, at this moment, I want to lift up the mourns for the Barton family and, and for all those who are hurting or facing tough tough circumstances. Paul reminds us in his, in his book, in his letter to Thessalonica, that death, <laughs> we don't mourn as those who normally mourn, Lord, because death has no hold on us. For we have hope because we are Christians. And Lord, in this moment, I pray that you would wrap your arms of grace and love and care around these families that are hurting. And Lord, I pray that you would help remind those who are about to go through something that you are with them every step of the way. Lord God, you are the author of life. And I lift up my friends and our faith family to you. And I pray for them. And I pray that you would give them the peace that they need in these moments of hurt. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So for a lot of these families, death has brought a new understanding because now life has brought some transitions in families. And transitions can be good and they can be tough and some transitions uh, can mean something new. And in in David's life, it's going to mean something new specifically for his son Solomon. Death can cause us to reflect, right? At the end of lives, we get together when people have passed away or people that have been, you know, very close to us in our life. Maybe you get together at a family reunion and run into somebody, you oftentimes reminisce, but we can oftentimes cause to reflect on life. Sometimes death will cause us to dream about something new or a new beginning. Sometimes death, for some of us, it brings dread or it brings fear. Sometimes we have anxiety with it. The medical journals of the day would, would call the phrase, they would call it death anxiety. And some of us, we let death remind us that we have life and that we want to fully live it. And I want to read to you a passage this morning because here's what I want to do. We're going to be around a little bit, but I want to get us somewhere today within the life of David at the end of his life. But to get there, I want to refresh our understanding of what death is and where it's standing is with the people of God. Uh, Because I want to remind us that we have a God that is for us, not against us, and what he has done for us. So let's do this when it comes to the history Of death, right? So it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, the temptation is happening. And we get in the middle of it. And it says, The woman said to the serpent, as she was being tempted, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. We're allowed to do that. But God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And if you must not touch it, or you will what? Let's try that again. You must not touch it, or you will what? I'm not sure that our first humans here, Adam and Eve probably understood what die meant and never experienced it. It goes on to say, you will, certain, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And in these few, in these few short verses, it talks about life. And that if you do something that God said, this will hurt our relationship, that thing is called sin. And when we sin, one of the consequences that come with it is this nasty little thing called death. And it points to the fact that we've always tried to do one of two things, right? The scripture in the New Testament tells us that no one can serve two masters. You love one, you hate the other. Our attempt to be our own God is what always gets in our way. When there's a God that loves us, it's for us. We worship one or we worship the other. And when Adam and Eve took a step forward and they had that fruit, they invited the consequences of sin. And because of that, they're going to experience something brand new. Until this event happens in the book of Genesis, man had not experienced sin, and nor has man had experienced what death would look like, and it would soon happen for them. Death is a result, unfortunately, of us. Breaking our relationship with God and sinning. And sin is always our attempt to be our own God. But here's what death's going to do for us today. And this is where we're going to get to. Death's going to remind us of our humanity. It's going to remind us, this is probably really why we don't like to talk about it, because guess what? We cannot do anything about it, right? We don't have a way around it. We don't have a way to fix it. We don't have a way to be sacrificial for it. There's nothing we can give. There's nothing we can do. There's only one that could do that. And his name is Jesus. And so death reminds us of our humanity. That's why we don't like it. It reminds us sometimes that there's an end to things. Death reminds us that human life, though, is a great gift from God. It's a gift. Your life and my life is a gift from the author of life. It is a blessing. Because life comes from God, life is a blessing from God. And David's son Solomon, who not long into his reign, he's going to pin some very common words for us, some words you've heard about life and death. And I'll just... We'll do those. Ecclesiastes chapter three. So there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. And here we're going to run up on the account. It's David's time to go. But we're not going to start with David yet. What I want to give you is what has happened to death because of Jesus' love for us. You ready? This is the good part. Paul's going to remind us this morning about death. He's going to deal with this topic in such an incredible way in his letter to the Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, here's what, excuse me, he says about it. In, In verse 21, for since death came through a man, talking about Adam and Eve, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man, talking about Jesus. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Good news, right? Good news. Paul will go on to say, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And then he gives us these famous words that we all know. In First Corinthians chapter 15, death has been swallowed up in victory. So where, O death, is your victory? And where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's what we learn in these three In these few short verses, this is what we're going to learn about death real quick, and this is where we move on from. Number one, death, it's an enemy of God, man. Number two, the enemy called death will be destroyed. Matter of fact, Paul says, has been destroyed through Jesus. And then number three, death is already defeated. So here's what you need to know this morning. that For for Christians, for those who believe, for those who know the Lord is their Savior, death has no hold on You, you do not have to fear it because you have already overcome it and you have overcome it because Jesus, who is the author of life, gave his life so that we could have it and live it to the fullest. So why talk about death again? Here's why we're talking about death, because death proves life, right? And that's what we're all living, life. And in the Christian life, death is defeated. So here's where we're going with David. When we understand these things, then we are free to live with purpose, just like David. There is nothing that should hold us back from living a great life. See, here's what I know. God loves you. He loves me. And he wants us to live forever with him. That's how he intended it in the garden until sin entered in and the consequences of it. One day, Jesus is returning. And when he returns, it's going to be forever death no more. Death will not be found. It won't be felt. It won't be experienced. We will live with God forever for all those who are in Christ Jesus, right? Because death is just temporary on this side of heaven for the believer. And here's what I know. Jesus is life. Jesus tells us in the New Testament that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. That in him is life. So if that is true, and he's the one that went to death, hell, and the grave, overcome death, then you and I have a life worth living and to live on purpose. And David knew that well. And David knew that because he had a relationship with this God of the universe. And so this is where we're finishing up this morning. David, he represents a human life well lived with his ups, with his downs, with David's sins, with his triumphs, with his defeats and all points in between. David's life reminds us that we all have a reason to live. David's life is one of the great stories of human history. It's a great story from his beginnings as a shepherd all the way to being a king that unites a kingdom. It's one of our longest narratives in scripture. We get to see David and we get to understand him because not only do we get to read the narrative, but then we get to read his heartbeat through the Psalms in which he left us. And in that, we're going to find out that we can identify with David if we've ever felt lonely or depressed or hurt or angry or excited. We can identify with David because he let us know how he was feeling through his psalms. So we can see his humanity and we can feel his emotion. He was anointed king as a team. And he would serve the Lord from those days until his death. And if you want to chase God with all of your heart like David did then there's a few things that, that David's going to remind us of this morning. That David's life is going to remind us that we all have a real reason and purpose to live. Uh, some of the interns came by, we have this summer, came by my office not too long ago, and one of the questions they had for me was, how did you get to this position in which you were in? And I never thought about it, and I've never pursued it, I never signed up for it, I, I, I never filled out an application, I never did a... A major interview with anybody. I just, it's kind of here. And the one thing I think I identify with with David in my life, and I don't know, maybe this is true of you. I just, I had a mentor teach me just, God has already gifted you. Just go and do and serve and God will open, open the path for you because it's his path anyway. And so if you're on it, you can serve, you can find it. So David, he would tend sheep. David would learn how to serve by tending sheep. He would learn how to protect things by tending the sheep. He would learn how to lead a military starting in the sheep pen. And it would start out with him out in the night sky, the daylight, tending sheep. It would eventually lead to him understanding how to campaign and to lead a military and to sit on a throne and unite a country. But he served with whatever he had in front of him. His position and his circumstances did not dictate his relationship with God at any time along the way. As a matter of fact, I would argue that because David was out (laughs) tending the sheep, he had a lot of time to spend with the Lord in those formative years. There were 14 generations of Israelites before David. There's going to be 14 from David to the Babylonian invasion and the dispersion of the Israelite people, and then 14 more to Jesus. And David's life is, is anything. It's a marker in history pointing to the coming Messiah. And his dream, his dream was to build the temple. David had a dream to build the temple, but he wasn't going to be allowed by God. And Solomon was going to be the one to get to do that. But that didn't stop David from participating somehow in some way because he has, because he has a servant's heart. He knew the Lord and he wanted to honor him and he wanted to honor him and Solomon to have success early on in his reign. So David would make the plans for the temple and he would provide materials for the temple and not only that, he would provide funding for the temple and he would provide his own funding for the temple out of his own pocket. And when it was David's time to leave the world, on this side of heaven, he was going to summon an assembly together and I thought this was brilliant. He's going to get all kinds of people together. He's going to get the officials of Israel. He's going to get the officers of the 12 tribes. He's going to get the commanders of his divisions. He's going to get the commanders of thousands. He's going to get the commanders of hundreds. He's going to get the officials of properties. He's going to get the warriors and the fighting men. And he's going to get all this group together, including Solomon and his family. And he's going to do what David only knows to do and that's worship God. And he's going to talk about some things. He's going to pray. He's going to talk about the temple. And he's going to... Give generously, and then he's going to get all of his officers and all of his leaders to give generously towards this temple. And then he's going to turn his attention to one person, and that's Solomon. Solomon is going to be the one that's going to take the reins from David. And he's going to give Solomon the advice that I think he gives to all of us, because I think at the end of the day, he understood when it came to all these other things that there were certainly some things that were more important than others. And if you and I want to take something from David and we want to take something about life and how to live a, a good life, a life well lived and to have a purposeful life and to be people like David who chased after God's own heart, to be known for those things, then the first thing that David's going to tell Solomon is you need to know God. You need to know God. And here's how 1 Chronicles verses 20, chapter 28, verse 9 starts that. He says in Solomon, my son, learn to know God the God of your ancestors, intimately. Not casually, not as acquaintances, not as social media friends, but you need to know him intimately. You need to have a relationship with him. You've got to know his heart. You've got to know his direction. You've got to know how he feels. To know God is through relationship. For you to know God, for me to know God, it's through relationship. We have to spend time with God. And one of the best ways we have to spend time with God is to open that thing called the scriptures, the Bible. And we get to know the heart of God. And then we get to live our life out, just like David did with God. Can I tell you this? 77% of Americans own a Bible. 39% of those that own a Bible read the Bible three to four times a year outside of the church. The question is, do we know God? Do we know his heartbeat? Do we know what he wants for us, that he's not against us, that he's given us life to live with a purpose? David understood that he had a purpose to live out and he was just gonna be available for the Lord to use him. A week, a couple weekends ago, I got to um, travel to Nashville. had an extended family reunion from uh, my grandfather's brothers that doesn't mean anything to you but anyway a lot, of, a lot of some i know and some i don't know and i i know them because i grew up in the neighborhood with my aunt Nellie. Nellie was a blue-haired charismatic church of god loving very consistent christian she loved people and i'd go mow her yard and if Nellie came out with a glass of water you didn't tell her to wait a minute you went and Got a drink with Nellie, and then she would love on you, and and she would uh, talk about the Lord. So her son Russ is the one we were down visiting, and Russ talks about two things. Russ talks about sports and Jesus. It's kind of refreshing. It's a little conflict at times. Sports can, you know, rub up against some of those morality things, but but we we have these conversations. But Russ is. He, he's about to be deacon emeritus. He's proud of it at his church, and but he was telling me he gets up at four thirty in the morning to start his devotions, and then after his devotions it takes him about an hour, an hour and a half because of all these surgeries he's had with his knees and everything, just so he can walk and get up and down out of the chairs during the day and get get to do things and go help people. And then the next day after that, I was at his oldest daughter Julie. is a few years older than me, and. She started talking about her devotional life and all these things happened without a push. You know why? Because it's their life. They love Jesus. And I thought about that relationship and that legacy that they were leaving. I wanna do that. How about you? To know the Lord, to give of our time, to start our days that way. I thought, man, Nellie, if you only could see down to your grandchildren. What you started is still going on. It was a cool thing and it was just a reminder to me that we all have a purpose and that God changes us and uses us throughout the different generations. You can't know anyone without spending time with them and that's what I got out of it. My question is, Jack, how much time am I spending? How much time are you spending? Do you know God, Solomon? Know God and know him intimately. And then he tells him this serve god well this is natural if you know god then you're going to end up serving god because don't we honor and serve the people that we know that love us the most it's a natural fallout and the scripture tells us at the back end of verse 9 not only did you need to know the god of your ancestors intimately but worship and serve him with your whole heart but a willing mind when you know god I really don't think that the whole heart and the willing mind will be hard for us to serve him. David knew that we live our lives in a relationship with God because that's what he desires. And there's nothing better than we put ourselves on hold and take a step forward and do the things for other people that need to be done in serving our Lord. Let me explain David again. He would tend sheep. He would do the hard lowly job of his family. And while he was out there tending sheep, doing what he was supposed to do, he would hone in his skills in writing and leave us to Psalms. He would hone in his skills in playing the harp and learning to sing. That would lead to an opportunity for him to be in front of King Saul and he would comfort Saul with his words and with his playing and it would lead to other opportunities and it would eventually lead to him being a military leader until Saul was too insecure and then David would be on the run but David was just using whatever circumstance was in front of him to grow himself and to grow the abilities that God had given him do you know that God's given you abilities characteristics, talents, traits. And can I just tell you this? I think I can say this, I don't. it may not be anecdotal, but I know after 46 years of life, the only way I've discovered what I know I can do is by doing and seeing what God shows me I can do. When he puts me in the situation to take a step of faith, to do something else. You're only gonna be who you need to be by serving God. And how are you serving him? How am I serving him? This is the advice he's given him. Know God, serve God. But then the third one, seek God. This is a tough one for me. You say, what's the difference? Well, this requires a ton of effort, maybe. But let me read the Bible verse for you. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. So Solomon, take this seriously. So you say, why, why, would, why would this be a thing? Well, if you remember, there's a massive assembly assembled in front of Solomon. David has been praying, they've been worshiping, and now he's addressing Solomon, who's getting ready to do what? He's getting ready to become the king and lead everybody that's in front of him. But David's want to be very clear, hey, they're gonna come at you with a lot of things. There's gonna be needs, there's gonna be wants, there's gonna be military problems, there's gonna be treasury problems, the roads are gonna to need to be fixed, the temple's gotta be built, blah, 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 blah. There's, there's just so many things. But Solomon, don't get distracted. Don't get distracted from what's most important. For us, Sometimes our life circumstances get in the way. Sometimes people get in our way. Sometimes our own misguided goals get in the way. Sometimes laziness creeps in, which leads to atrophy. Sometimes greed bubbles its head or envy raises a hand in our life. There's lots of distractions. And David is saying, beware, you need to seek him. Not only do you need to know him, and serve Him, but in doing that, you need to to seek Him. You need to make Him the number one priority in all these things because as soon as one of these other things becomes a priority, these first two things will be pushed to the side. Because seeking, we can get easily distracted. Trust me, I know. You come to my office, I'll show you my video screen. It has a million and one windows open. It's it's unbelievable, I get anything done. I'm so easily distracted. But don't put God second, put him first, Solomon. Put him first. He tells him words that Jesus is gonna repeat and Luke's gonna record an echo in the book of Luke. Jesus said this, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Uh, I wanna ask you a question this morning. When's the last time you found yourself seeking God? Jesus said, if you seek me, you will find me. If you knock, I'll open the door. Here's the thing about God, he never runs away from us. He never turns his back on us. Even when we might turn our back on him. All we gotta do is a simple thing, which is what David was able to do with all of his life. He was able to find the humility that when he messed up to confess, that he messed up and then to turn back around and take off with his relationship with his God again. That's called repentance, repentance. And once David finished all this with Solomon, not long after that, First Chronicles 29 verse 28 records this. It says, David died at a ripe old age, having enjoyed a long life, wealth and honor. Then his son Solomon ruled in his place. David lived an incredible, interesting life. It's such a great human story to look at. But you know, one thing when you read the story, you never see you never see the overtop miracles from the New Testament. You see a man living his life and living on purpose and trying to know his God, serve his God, and seek out his God. And everything that he did, and God used him. And then one day there was going to be one that would come from his lineage some 28 generations later. And his name's Jesus. david was going to be used (laughs) what a legacy to have the son of god come from your family what a great life a human life to look up to you see the author of life wants you to live life and to live it on purpose death is only an enemy and that enemy has been defeated because you and i could do nothing about it and you had the full opportunity without any bumpers or walls or side rails to live a life on purpose to live it to the full to live it in a way that God would use you to change other people's lives. See, the consequences of our sin was that nasty thing called death, and Jesus took it away. David knew, David served, that David would seek God with all of his heart, and it was a complete life. Death wasn't even something that bothered David, I don't think. Eugene Peterson has a quote about death, and it says this about, no life is complete until there's death. I mean, that's true. We're sitting here talking about David today. We're talking about his legacy. We're talking about his impact on the kingdom of God. You see, death sets limits. To be human is to die. By dying, we attest to our humanity. If death doesn't much terminate our humanity, let's prove it. I'm not sure what I want on my epitaph whenever it comes calling for me. But I know one thing, you and I can have the same thing that David had said about him. This was a man and this was a woman after God's own heart. Do you know him? Do you serve him? Do you seek him? Here's what David's life teaches us when we're about done. You cannot fully value life until you understand death. Death is not your enemy anymore. He's been put to shame. This side of heaven, it's only temporary. But one day it'll be forever as God originally intended it. And death is not the end of our story. It's only the beginning of ours. God was David's God. It was the God that David worshiped. It's the same God that we worship today. The God that knew David knows you and knows me. Jehovah had a purpose for David's life. He has a purpose for your life and mine. That same God is asking us to know him, to serve him and to seek him. And here's what I know about David's life. And this is what I love. When I, when I was little and hearing all the stories about David, I thought, man, that's cool. I could never be perfect like that. I could never do that. I could never never do any of those things. I know me, but here's the thing about David. David wasn't perfect. He was just humble. He was authentic and he walked with integrity and he confessed when he messed up and he honored God when God needed honor. He knew how to worship God. And that's all we're supposed to do as humans. God doesn't turn away from you whenever we mess up. As a matter of fact, he made a way through his son Jesus so that he could hug you and love you and remind you that you have a life worth living, to live on purpose. Do you know that purpose? I don't know. Do you have dreams? Maybe. I have dreams. David had dreams to build the temple, and God wasn't going to allow him to do it. But it didn't stop David from serving the God and to set up his son Solomon to build the temple. There's no excuses in this life. God's given us this breath from our beginning to our end to live it on purpose and here's what david's life tells us we know that there is hope no matter what our humanity looks like that ought to encourage you today because life is not men on all the circumstances of this world it's men on one person and his name is jesus we know that we have a god who is for us and for us no matter what we are going through even when this might be in the midst of our own fear some of you all are or in the middle of something right now and you're scared, it's okay, but give it to God. He's with you, he's for you. And then David's life teaches us this, we learn that there is forgiveness when there is sin. And we learn that we can serve God in this moment and in our generation. We don't have to wait for somebody else. Even when life may not be perfect and our dreams may not be filled, we can make a difference so here's the question this morning and it's just the thing you got to wrestle with do you know it paul would say it's this simple confess that jesus is lord and you can be saved that's how that relationship begins do you know him do you know him how many of you are serving today is not a push for you to serve on one of our teams but we can get you serving to help you start using your gifts because that's how you're gonna discover who God's made you to be, by serving others. Some of you all serve others in lots of different ways. You serve others by volunteering with sports teams and with schools and with hospitals and you name it. But when you take a step forward in faith and you begin to serve, God will show you more about who you are than you've ever dreamed or imagined. And at 46, I can tell you this, I get a little scared now because God's not finished with me. I don't believe that he's finished with me and I don't believe that we as humans are supposed to live a life towards retirement on Christianity and on living our life of worshiping God. We're supposed to live it out, making a difference in other people's lives and he's continually showing me where I fall short but he's also showing me where I have gifts to be used to make a difference in his kingdom and he only does that when we serve. But are you seeking him? Is he your first? Is he your number one? Are you seeking him? David was a man after God's own heart, but wouldn't it be great one day when we pass away, when we go to sleep for a moment, that our epitaph could be written. There's Jack, man after God's own heart. Cool. But what about you today? We're moving into the fall. This is a great time to reset and to restart. It's a great time. God doesn't hold anything against you. He's just ready to move forward. What do you need to do? Can I ask you to stand to your feet? I want to ask you to bow your head. We're going to pray this morning. Our team's going to get ready to lead us in a song. And I'm just going to, where you're at, or this morning when we're singing, you you can use, come to the altar and pray, whatever you need to do. But today, I want to ask you, what steps do you need to take in your life? Let's pray. Lord God, it's in these moments that we we celebrate who you are. Or through the life of David, we see that there's great purpose and that there's hope. Lord God, we see that you came to give us life and to live it to the fullest. So Lord, this morning, I ask that you would help us all. If we're not seeking you, that we would make you first. If there's something in our life that's getting in the way, Lord, that we would just confess it, repent and move on from it. Or maybe this morning there's some people here, they just don't know you as Lord and Savior. They know of you. They know about you. They just don't know you. Lord, I pray that they would say a simple prayer that goes something like this. Dear Jesus, I know that you're my Savior. I confess you to be Lord. Please be the Lord of my life. Lord, I hope that is true for some of these that are in the room and online. I pray that today is a day of salvation. Lord, thank you for showing us that we can live life and live it on purpose. We love you, Lord God, and we worship. An incredible God. Lord, be with us in these moments in Jesus' name.